Welcome back to another episode of the Tile Money Podcast. This podcast is strengthening the tile industry. We are doing this with our weekly business discussions designed for contractors by contractors. This education is, is assisting tile contractors around the world to build sustainable, profitable businesses. The result is a stronger industry from the installer up. And that's the way it should be. That's the way it has to be. If we want a strong industry, we have to strengthen the, um, the weakest point, which would be the contractor, the installer. Today I have Aaron Howe. He is the owner of Van City Elite Tile Installations based out of Vancouver. Aaron is very passionate about product knowledge, creating systems for his business, spending time with his family and being a father. Uh, Aaron's uh, working about four hours away. He's got a commute. Um, so we're going to discuss this unique situation for his business and how he goes about um, creating a system that works for him and his family so that he doesn't get burnt out on that commute, as well as uh, all things that come with running a successful tile installation business. Uh, before we bring him into the studio, I would like to t- thank a, take a minute to thank our sponsor. These are the companies who are investing back in you, the the listener, the audience, the tile contractor installer. I want to thank Ladercrete International for being aware of this need. Ladercrete has been a sponsor of the Tile Money Podcast from the beginning, and their interest in the podcast is really uh, genuine, and it is uh, because they see a need out there, and they know that if they invest in you in this way, that the industry will be stronger, um, everything will uh, come back around to them, so to speak. Um, so make sure you let Ladercrete know that you appreciate their support of the Tile Money Podcast and really of you and your business. Um, so check out Ladercrete.com. Uh, they've got all the solutions you need for a tile installation business, and they are one of the oldest uh, innovators in tile installation materials. All right, well, let's bring Aaron onto the stage. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Luke. How are you doing? Good, good. Happy to be here. I have uh, a long-time listener of your podcast. Is that right? Yeah, I, I love it. On my commutes to Vancouver, it's uh, I always I don't have reception on big portions of that drive, so I always upload all the uh, podcasts and listen to that. Nice. That's my entertainment for the drive, yeah. Right on, right on. Well, that's uh, that's perfect. That's exactly what I envisioned, so I'm glad I'm glad to hear it's been benefiting you and, and your business. Um, tell us, tell the audience where you're at and kind of how you got started in the trade. Take it from the top, please. Okay, so how I got started in the trade. Um, uh, my parents had some friends who were some carpet layers, mm-hmm. and um, they always, as a teenager, they'd hire me to rip out carpets for them, and they'd go in and do that, and uh, one thing led to a next thing, and I ended up becoming a warehouse manager and um, for the fl- their flooring um, supplier. And uh, I saw the checks the tile guys were getting, and I was like, "Holy man! If I could make a thousand dollars a week, you know." Yeah. And that was in two thousand, so um, you know it still wasn't a whole lot of money, but it was more than the other installers were making. And I was like, "Wow, that's big money!" Mm. So I uh, I started trying to be a helper with the other tile guys and uh, picked up some tile and put it in my parents' house and realized I loved actually installing and doing the work. And um, they all started from there. So yeah, it's uh, I've been doing it for 22 years now with a, a one year break to be a, a snow bum or ski bum. And um, yeah, so it's been good. And then where I am now, I've got a business with uh, a few guys in Vancouver who work for me. I live four hours away and I go there about once a month to just check out uh, job sites and do estimates and um, build relationships, which I feel is the biggest part of my business is just the relationships. Mm. Um, yeah, and I get to stay home and be with my family and have fruit trees and a yard and a pool, all the things I thought I could never do living in a city where houses are $20 million. I mean, a starter house in Vancouver right now, if you're going to tear it down, is $2 million. Wow. So, Yeah. It's um, it's out to lunch as far as I'm concerned, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's wild. That's wild. So, you, so you're only kind of tr- going into Vancouver like one week out of out of the month. Is that what I heard? One day a month. I spend the night and then I drive back the next day. Oh, one yeah. one day a month. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I do that commute. I usually uh, I'll wake up at three. I'll have a coffee, 
and I'll drive to Vancouver. I'm in there um, for seven o'clock to eight o'clock and get my day started. And by the time I'm done, it's uh, 11 p.m. So I work a lot of hours that one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, then I come home and I, uh, I spend the next two or three days getting all the estimates out and all the paperwork and doing that stuff. And then mm-hmm. the rest of it's uh, following up on jobs and making sure the guys know where they're going, what they're doing, um, making sure everything is good that way and just the business side of the actual business, right? So. This is really cool because this is really unique. Um, you're correct in, in saying that, you know, when we first started talking about recording this podcast, you told me about this. And um, what it says to me is you have a lot of systems in place to make this feasible and make it so that, you know, the train doesn't go off the rails, so to speak, you know. Um, yeah. What, how, many, how many people do you employ how many installers? Um, right, right now, I only have two. Uh, we had a whole bunch of mishaps over uh, over the winter, and I had to let um, three guys go. So, uh, but we're rebuilding up to that. And it wasn't um, it wasn't that I let them go because they weren't good installers. It's we just didn't have the work, and I kind of dropped the ball on a couple things. And um, we tried. I don't know if you heard about the atmospheric river that uh, dropped down in Vancouver there. Um, but that we were trying to finish up an outdoor pool at the time and, um, that didn't help us. So that delayed a big project for us. And, um, one thing led to another. Yeah. So I had to let three guys go. Mm. Um, but I'm, we're getting busy again and we're going to pick that up and be back up there with those guys. And, um, yeah, we'll have, uh, we'll have them back and going pretty soon. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So you went from five, like basically five employees. Are they all installers or was it? Yeah, installers. So I've got one guy who I call a finisher. Mm-hmm. He's um, he's an okay installer, uh, but he's excellent at all the finishing details. Like he he comes in and makes our job sites like next level, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but his installations are, we're working on it. Um, I think he'll be installing by the summer and able to do all those finer details of um, what we do. Um, but he comes in, he cleans the job sites, he silicones, he polishes everything nicely. And he, he really makes the job sites look next level. So, uh, my lead installer is a phenomenal installer, but he's just messy. Um, and we're working on that, trying to create systems around that to solve that problem. Um, but, uh, Greg will come in and he'll just make the job sites look phenomenal and everybody loves that. And I get messages about him all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's the key there is knowing what everybody's good at and letting them do that. He loves doing grout polishing or grout, uh, refresh and, uh, cleaning and siliconing and that stuff as well. So I let him do that. And, um, Pat loves installing, but, um, he's, he doesn't like the grouting or any of that other stuff. And, um, Mm -hmm. so I let him do that and, um, I think a big part of it is understanding what my installers want in their lives and helping them do that. Cause that if I'm having my lifestyle here, the way I am, I want them to be able to have their lifestyle. So if I, uh, if I don't get a hold of Pat before he leaves the job site, I'm not getting a hold of him till the next morning. He will not answer his phone, and I respect that. Sure. So um, that's what he wants, and he wants to go out and play in his band and go to concerts at night and stuff. So that's what he does, right? And I, sure. I don't, uh, I don't try and breach that for him. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you got you get to know the guys and, and respect them, and they respect you. Um, so tell me, I mean, in my mind, it's because you you're not installing tile and and you're not on you know you're not on the job daily um there's a lot of room for you know issues to come up but what what i really want to talk about first is um you went from five to three employees i mean how is are things tight money wise or are are things just fine i mean because that's that's pretty incredible. That's, and and that's the way I ran my business. To be frank, I had only a few employees, but I was able to basically not install tile. Um, and I think that's a very important message to get out there. Like we can craft our business how we want it. A lot of guys think I have to install tile to earn money, but here you've built another something different. Yeah. So it's definitely, it's definitely tighter than it was. Mm. Um, but financially, um, I charge enough money to make it work off too. Cause that's kind of where I started when I, um, 
developed this business model was off just two installers working with me. Okay. Um, but I found I was in the truck driving around all the time and I couldn't play any tile anyway with sure. two installers. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it works. Uh, but I also found it's not as big as a difference as I thought it would be. Um, because some of those guys just talk too much. <laughs> so, um, I'm realizing they weren't real, um, bringing me in as much profit as I wanted. Um, so that, that was a good realization to work on that as well and figure out how I can, uh, better that situation. Um, and move along that. So yeah, it, it's a little bit tighter, but it, it wasn't actually a significant difference to me. Um, and it, it worked out pretty well. So, um, the, the other guys, I'm trying to bring them back and they've got good value because they, they do excellent work. So if I can put more people with them, um, that are more efficient, um, we can start having multiple crews and get more done that way. And just, I'm, I'm trying to create incentives. So I listened to your podcast with, um, Aaron down in Texas mm-hmm. and, um, she had all sorts of systems that I, I want to incentivize the guys to, you know, send pictures at the end of the day and follow up um, kind of those kind of things that she does. And I think are very important, um, especially when you're doing your social media marketing and stuff, you need to be posting those photos. And that's one of my challenges three yeah. to four hours as a way as I don't see all my job sites. Right. So, right. Have yeah. you looked into the app busy, busy? No. Yeah. Check it out. It's on my YouTube ch- channel. Mm-hmm. I interviewed those guys over there. Busy, busy. Um, they have an app that will actually help, um, keep your guys. It's, it's like a time tracking app. So you type in your job site address and as soon as they get to that address, you can have it automatically check them in, or you can have it ping them or text message them to have them check in, have them check in when they leave for lunch and then have them upload photos, you know, of the, the morning, the afternoon. And you can also track, um, like, you know, materials, thin sets, grouts, things of this nature. So you can track your usage of materials on the job. So it sounds like it might be a good fit for you. Yeah. Yeah. I try, I try not to, um, to micromanage anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was once on a job site at the very beginning of my career with a contractor and I noticed his guys were always standing around and drinking coffee, having extended lunches. And I, I was just upset about that. And I, I taught how to talk with him and let him know that his guys um, weren't performing for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he just let me know that he's making a lot of profit and he wants them to be able to run their job sites the way they want to run it and be on site. And you know, whatever they report the hours they report. And as long as he's making money and the clients are happy, he's happy. And it's like, okay. And that kind of stuck with me the whole time. Um, so, I mean, it's one thing if I've got a, uh, an installer who's not, um, performing and making me money on my job sites, but if they're making me profits and yeah. uh, I don't want to push them any harder than they are. Cause I'm, if they're enjoying their work then uh, and I'm enjoying my lifestyle and everybody's happy, then yeah, yeah, it works. Right. Yeah. What a great attitude. I really appreciate that, Aaron. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I hustled for so long and I've worked for people who are just on top of me mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. I know, I left companies that were like that. Mm-hmm. And I just, as, as long as everybody feels good about the situation, I think it works, right? I don't have to manage my company like everybody else um, thinks or like the preconceived idea of like, everybody's got to be so efficient. We don't, I just have to charge more so that I can live the life I want and they get to live the life they want and I pay them what they want, right? Yeah. So as long as everybody's happy, then everybody's happy, including the, the client at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I do got to give you a little bit of pushback here because earlier you said, well, I found out some of these guys were, you know, not as profitable as some of the other ones. Yeah. Um, so what's, what will you change now? Because it sounds like you want to hire these guys back. Um, what will you change to kind of incentivize them to be a little bit more productive? Um, meanwhile, I know you're going to strike that balance of not being, you know, overly bare, you know, overly strict or whatever. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to start, I have had some talks with my wife who's incredibly, I'm not a systems guy, mm-hmm. but my wife is lucky for me. Um, so we have conversations and she tells me these, 
uh, ideas that I think are absolutely ludicrous and that could never be done. And it turns out they work a lot of the time. So, you know, um, but I think for them, I'm going to put in some work for a few, few months to try and um, set a standard for them where I, I literally write out their whole day, like every task. Here's what you're going to do for this half hour. Here's what you're going to do for this half hour. And I'm going to write out every job site so that they can just go in. They do everything. They've got their, their time set for how long it should take. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within a few months, we should be able to find out where they're struggling, um, what's taking so long, and if it's just them stopping to talk to clients for an hour or two every day and um, what, whatever it is. But we'll figure out where the problems are. Mm-hmm. Um, setting realistic expectations, nothing crazy like trying to do a shower pan in, a, in 30 minutes or an hour. I'm like, that's you know, some of us can do it, but most of us can't. Right. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to try that and see how that works. As for the, uh, the photos and the reporting, um, I, for me being four hours out of town again, um, I need them to send me a report of what got done at the end of the day so I can communicate expectations to the clients. And if we're delayed at all, um, and I need photos so I can post on social media because that's a big part of the advertising and big part of the business side. Um, so I think I'm going to be doing a weekly bonus as long as they hit every day. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll get a weekly bonus added to their check. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think that'll be enough to, um, to incentivize them. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. That's a nice balanced approach. Um, and, you know, your attitude of, hey, I want these guys to be happy at, at the job and I'm not going to be breathing down their neck and ask, you know, I'm not going to be unrealistic. It's really probably the only way you can do it in your situation, because if you were overbearing and you were, you know, had unrealistic expectations, I mean, you're still four hours away. You, then you have, then you've created a huge problem on your hands because now all these guys are disgruntled. They're not necessarily happy with their boss. They're not necessarily happy. So they're like, screw them, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. So I think that's smart, you know, and that's something that even, um, owners can learn from even if they're working in the same town, because the goal in my mind, one of the, you know, not everybody's goal, but one of my goals was to be like you, Aaron, like work less on the job and, you know, stay home more or, you know, work on other parts of the business. Um, how uh, so you're working one day a week like a very long day uh with your commute and everything to travel to Vancouver yeah. um the other 4 days how how much time are you putting in oh uh, so it's more than 4 days the the following 4 days is usually um 4 hours um 4 hours in the evening um or during the day depending on how many job sites I went and uh, looked at, but I'll, I'll put in uh, four hours for a few days in a row um, to just get my estimates out and get that stuff um, moving forward. And then every day um, there's probably an hour to two hours of uh, just emails or phone calls. And um, sometimes I get surprised and I'm on the phone all day long, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't happen very often. Um, I try and I'm trying to create more systems to communicate expectations to guys. Uh, but sometimes, um, the guys are in new situations where they're not familiar with, and then I have to kind of hold their hand, walk them through what to do next or how to do it. Um, cause we're starting to, we're starting to, um, widen our scope a little bit where we're doing a little bit of carpentry too, with these, um, zero entry showers. Sure. And um, recessing the plywood to be level with the floor studs and that stuff isn't something they're familiar with. So uh, we just got into a job in an older home where they had a zero entry shower where uh, whoever did it uh, had three layers of curdy, two layers of Ditra and plywood somewhere in between all these layers as well. And no slope. The drain was literally the highest spot. Um, and it lasted 15 years somehow and didn't water down. It damage lasted anything. 15 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how, but the grout was falling apart. There was uh, all the white thin set in it was uh, pink and had black mold on under the tile. So we ripped the whole floor out and dropped the plywood to give us 
the uh, room we needed for our mortar bed and proper slopes and everything. And um, so I was on the phone for two or three hours walking uh, one of the guys through that, right, and how to do that. And we ran into knob and tube electrical and all that stuff and um, and some old cast plumbing anyway. Um, so when you run into those kind of things, I'm on the phone a lot more um, than if I'm just sending them to a tub surround with a builder where we're building the whole thing out with our Laticrete board. And, um, you know, it's it's the same thing every time. And that's pretty much what we specialize in. We try and do a lot of um, showers and tub surrounds where every single one of them is built exactly the same. And that way um, the guys know exactly what they're doing. It's easy every time. Um, and there's no, there's no confusion into how we do things, right? If I ever have a failure, I know exactly what I'm going into because we build it the same every single time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so that's, uh, is that a lot of builder work then? I mean, if it's, it's builder, designer, homeowner. Um, we don't, I used to do these just giant homes. Um, and I'd have a big crew on there and I'd be working with them and we'd have, you know, 10 bathrooms in a house, um, in these modern homes being built. And, um, it's, it's just a lot of work and the profits aren't, um, aren't as great as if you're just doing these bathrooms for, um, for clients who want to update their condos or their homes and, you know, you give them what they want. And, um, we love, uh, that Laticrete has their lifetime warranty and I upsell that. I use that to, to sell my job sites all the time. We have good relationships with our representation, um, our reps. So we can, we can literally walk into a house and guarantee them a lifetime warranty backed by Laticrete. So if I'm not around, I tell them if I'm not around or my business disappears, you're still backed by Laticrete because we build it with all the premium products. Yeah. And, you know, we might be more than the next guy, but you know, their products don't fail, but if it ever did, you're, you're covered. So nice. Yeah. yeah. It's an easy, easy sale, you know, uh, a very good way to sell a job. I wanted to ask you, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times your prices are higher and I mean, they have to be for your, the way you set your yeah. business up. Um, how are you, how, how, you know, besides on top of the lifetime warranty, which is a great ups or a great, you know, sales point to mention, what other tactics are you using to s- sell that job at that higher price point? Um, well, we, let's see, we specialize in like medium to high end installations and some, sometimes we'll do high end installations. Um, and we're, we're very capable of it, but it's, it's more that medium to high end thing. So when, when an installer comes in and he's a do it yourself installer and he's bidding against me, he's going to be lower than me. Um, but he's not going to be able to give them the customer service that I give them. Mm-hmm. He's not going to communicate as well as I do or as often as I do. Um, and he's not going to give them the time to sit and talk for two hours, um, about any concerns or, um, any, um, product knowledge things and educating the client because um, he's going to need to get to his job sites. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if they, that doesn't build trust either. So I think when I go in and I give them the product knowledge and I spend the time with them, I answer their emails and phone calls and I follow up um, all the time. I think they get a certain uh, peace of mind knowing that they're going to spend the extra money with me. Um, but it's, it's, it builds the confidence that, they're going to get an installation that's perfect. And if they have any um, problems along the way, they can just reach out and they'll get an answer. Um, I've got lots of references as well that have been using me for 10, 15 years and they'll swear by me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, um, I think that's really, it is. I spend the extra time with the clients and I build confidence by educating them on um, how we're going to build their, their uh, tile assembly and why we're going to build it that way. Uh, a lot of a lot of what we do are failed showers or failed um, outdoor tile, mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, that's where we come in because we do a lot of that kind of stuff, and we're we're not scared to do outdoor tile. We understand the systems and uh, the products needed to do that properly. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's the difference is the time and education that I I give to my clients versus the installer who. Uh, may very well be a good installer, but just doesn't have the time for them. Okay, nice. Yeah. You know, it's 
it's simple, but it's it's what sets a lot of um, companies apart is that communication process for sure. Yeah, and and I think confidence as well. I think um, a lot of guys aren't comfortable um, charging or even asking for the amount of money that I ask for. Mm-hmm. Um, and through it's funny, uh, right around um, when I started listening to, or probably a year before I started listening to tile money, um, a friend of mine who is a carpet repair guy, um, which you wouldn't think is a very, um, lucrative business, uh, started, uh, telling me about his business model and I was watching him build it. And it's, it's unbelievably what, what he charges. He's easily 10 times more than anybody else for the same repair, but he just asks for it and people give it to him. Yeah. So it's a matter of asking for it and getting confident um, in knowing your numbers too, right? Knowing what what you need to survive in your business and thrive in your life um, to to ask for those numbers. Yeah, it's funny because um, there are you know in business there are you know in the tile business world there is no standard, right? And there's no law. I mean, we charge what we charge for a reason um and in in conversation with some people they get upset if you're charging more than them but you're exactly right right. i mean you ask for it the client's willing to pay it for a reason where's where's the law broken where's the problem you know and i i just it still stumps me every time i see that on the internet it's like what are you talking about? I'm ripping my client off. Like, no, they signed a contract. They agreed to this price, you know, just because it blows your mind and blows what you're charging out of the water. It, it doesn't mean it's illegal or wrong. It's just, that's life. That's business. We all offer different levels of service and, and you've come to offer, you know, a very high level of service for your clients and you have the confidence to just ask for what you need to. I love it. I love it, Aaron. Yeah, there's, on the asking for pricing, I see lots of um, people charging like 400 to 700 for a backsplash. Mm -hmm. And it blows me away that they're selling themselves so short. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I used to hate installing backsplashes. As an installer, it was my least favorite thing because I charged $450 to install a backsplash. I think there's no money in it because I thought that's what I could charge. And then I saw on one of these posts, somebody was charging $1,200. So I started asking for it and I started getting it every single time. Yeah. And I could take the time and actually do that. And now 1200 is the minimum I do a backsplash. And anytime there's anything slightly, if it's more than 25 square feet, it's $300 more. If it goes to the ceiling anywhere, it's $300 more. If it's an odd shape, it's $300 more. If it's glass, it's $300. And it just add $300 for any time something's off, right? And, um, yeah, and we, we make great money on backsplashes. It's awesome. So, um, yeah, it's, I, people sell themselves so short on, on what they get for their backsplashes. It's, it's unfortunate. And, um, for the people doing demo, um, on their job sites, I found one of my highest profiting areas is actually dust protection and demolition. Yes. Um, we can, we can set up dust protection, a path out to the home. We do an excellent job of it. I'll, I'll charge a whole day's rate for dust protection. It might take two hours, right? Mm-hmm. But we do a good job of it. We run air scrubber inside our job site and outside our job site. We explain um, the harmful particulates like silica or lead in the finishes of the tile. Um, we've got a work safe up here, which I think is close to OSHA mm-hmm. um, down there. And um, they've actually got a page that talks about um, the demolition of tile and disposable and how it can have um, it can have lead in the finish and it's got to be treated um, like an abatement. So yeah. um, we charge for that uh, very, very well. And um, we charge for, so to demo and let's just say for a tub surround, um, we'll charge $3,000 just to set up our desk protection and demo it. And we're usually done in a day, right? And, yeah. um, then we take it to the dump and we're, we're done. So, um, it's, it's a profitable area that I think that's one thing people are, uh, underselling them on themselves on as well. Right. I agree. So, I agree a hundred percent. I always figured, you know, um, a good business would just be a, a demo, you know, dustless demo business and they are good businesses. Oh yeah. Reason, yeah. You know, um, it's kind of like the backsplash theory 
Whereas if you don't charge enough, you're miserable all day. You don't really want to do it. So nobody really wants to do it. And if they're not charging enough, they can't afford the HEPA, HEPA air filter, the HEPA vac, you know, the, um, the poles, the, the quick extension right. poles, you know, to, yeah. it's just crazy. But you, you start investing, charging more, investing in those tools. Those tools are money makers. You're absolutely right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, once I, once I incorporated that, I was like, what took me so long to buy a $500 HEPA air scrubber and, um, the quick shit, you know, quick poles and the plastic and everything you need to, you know, because once the clients started seeing that, visually like they were blown away i mean they don't want lead in their house they don't want um asbestos dust and all this other dust and they don't know they don't even know what it is until you tell them like oh here we're protecting you because of this reason and that reason right yeah and if you educate your clients it's it's unbelievable um well it's not unbelievable it's it's believable that once you educate them they'll want to make good decisions for them and their health Mm -hmm. you know um nobody wants to put that into their into their house where their family lives. Yeah. So, you know, you might have people who are trying to flip homes who don't care and that's not my client, but, um, yeah, for these people, it's, uh, it's important, but some of the things we specialize in, um, as well that allows us to charge more is the two foot by four foot tiles and four foot by four foot tiles and anything large format. Um, we do, and we do it often. Um, and a lot of installers are scared of that and they don't want to touch those. And to me, um, and to our team, we've done it so often. It's, I mean, we may as well be installing 12 by 12 tiles, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, they go in fast. We miter all our corners. Um, and, uh, I will say I didn't just start my business and, uh, hire some random tile setters. I worked beside them for mm-hmm. two or three years and trained them in everything that I did. Um, cause I had created, um, a name for myself in, in my city mm-hmm. that allowed me to be one of those high end installers that came in very highly recommended. And then, um, I met a couple other talented installers who needed a little bit of touching up on their work on their skills mm-hmm. and just help them elevate their skills. And, um, I pay them well and I, I appreciate them. And, um, and one of the important things that I, th- I think, again, I'll hit on it again is having your installers appreciated who work for you. And I give them nice bonuses at Christmas time. And if we have good quarters or good jobs, they'll get bonuses, cash bonuses on that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, I think that's important because as an installer, I never once received a bonus from anybody, um, any of my employers yeah. that I worked for. So, um, to give big bonuses is, um, sets me apart. Yeah. No, good for yeah. you. Good for you. Aaron. Uh, it's kind of funny. The I, I lucked out. I, I hit the I hit the lottery for my first like two employee employers. Um, they would give me raises. I would never ask for a raise. They would give me raises like every six months. They would give me bonuses. They would just treat me well. And I thought everybody for the rest of my life was going to be like that. <laughs> yeah. But when I found out the opposite is true, I uh, that's kind of when I decided to go to work for myself. Um, but uh, it's incredible. I mean, people people complain about finding and keeping help, but the it all goes back to money, and that's why this podcast exists. Tile money because money makes businesses run, and money helps you retain good help, yeah, and good people, and they can provide for their families in a good way, and they can credit tile installation. For their for their family, for their vehicles, for their fun toys, you know. I mean, it's it's such a great thing, and the fact that you know um, we can highlight stories like this, it's just it, it makes me the happiest guy in the world to be able to, to have this platform and highlight your story. Uh, thanks for sharing it. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I um, I never thought it would be possible to be honest, and uh, just. Um, it, it all kind of happened right at the beginning of COVID mm-hmm. and that's, I had to learn to rework it. I, I was literally working 20 hour days right before COVID mm-hmm. um, in a high end hotel chain mm-hmm. and my guys were all sick mm-hmm. and I was the only one on the tools in there. And um, yeah, I went home because the first guy got, uh, got better and was able to work on the tools. And I just, I drove home the four hours home and I took a week off and uh, three days later, everything shut down. The hotel shut down, everything shut down our business literally stopped for four months and gave me the, the time to rework the business and figure out how it, how to do it. But 
it, it shouldn't have taken four months with what I know now. It, it could literally be done. Anybody could do it to their business model, right? They just have to find some good installers mm-hmm. who, uh, and, and figure out what those installers want for their own lives and then model their business to give that to them. Right. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm selling to the installers, I'm selling to the clients and I'm giving everybody what they want to make it work for me too. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Nice. So yeah. you're getting a lot of work from referrals. You have a good name there. Um, where, what happens? Somebody calls you, uh, and they were a referral. You, you say, I'm going to be in Vancouver on Monday to do job walks. Would, would you like to get on the schedule? Um, and how many job walks will you do, you know, on, on the day you're in Vancouver? And then how many do you end up actually, you know, landing and getting a deposit check? Yeah. So, um, I, I pre, um, I talk to my clients first and I get them to send me, uh, photos and, um, and what they're looking for first. And I give them a ballpark price before I'll go into their home. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of that that happens before I get to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And so I know that, okay, the client's already expecting to pay X amount of dollars for their tub surround. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they're okay with that. Now I just have to go in, confirm a couple things, and close the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go in and look at uh, six or seven job sites in a day uh, when I'm there, and I'll probably close three or four of those. Mm-hmm. Um, with the repeat clients, I've got a few clients who um, – there's no bidding the job really. They know my pricing. It's just going to be, here's the job, give us a price so we can tell the client and that's what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not trying to sell the job. It's already sold. We've been working together for 10 years or eight years or whatever it is. Um, but for the newer clients, I've, I've, um, talked to them already. I've got a good idea and typically I'll get, um, 80%, although more recently it's been less, um, as the, installation products are going up. My costs are having to go up as well. Um, and we're probably getting 30% right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I just did one trip and there was, there was a month where I put out probably 30 estimates Mm -hmm. and I closed none of them. And that was a little scary. I was like, okay, what's happening in the market? I called some friends and I found out, uh, they're booked till September. I was like, okay, so this is a me problem, mm-hmm. uh, not a not a market problem, and that can be fixed. So, um, and then we've we've closed some jobs since then. Uh, I'm working on my social media with um, you and your partner, mm-hmm. um, and trying to get that uh, that part better. My website, my search engine optimization there um, better because I I wasn't using that at all before. It was just kind of a touch point where if people wanted to see my website, they could go see my website, but it wasn't a big part of my my business and advertising, but as I want to grow and be more consistent, I want to book out farther mm. and, um, have that as a solid piece of my business where, um, it's straight to homeowner job sites. Mm-hmm. So, and then, um, that's actually another unique thing I think about my business is, um, in the beginning phases of this each year, I, uh, I took losses of about 30 or $40,000 on different job sites of just people who didn't want to pay their bill for whatever reason at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was usually contractors. Uh, well, it was always contractors. Right. Um, and I, it, it's almost like I could see it coming. There was one contractor who was like 80% of my business at one time. And I could see he was starting to work with another tile setter. He was getting late on his uh-huh. payments. And then he bought himself a second house in Vancouver and blah, 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 blah. Um, so, and next thing you know, I'm, I'm holding, um, all, I still have to pay the guys, but right. he didn't pay any of his bills. And so what I've done now is I take 50% up front. Mm-hmm. So I take all the materials up front plus 50% of my installation costs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before 50% is, um, used up, they need to pay another 40% retainer. Mm-hmm. So then I've got 90%. So I allow them to, I mean, we basically work on a retainer like a lawyer would, right? So sure. there's no bill that can be unpaid at the end except for the 10%. Yeah. Um, and at that point, if they want to fight me on 10%, well, we can we can talk about that, but it's not going to make or break my business, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. I'd love it. I think that's a smart move. Um, I recommend that to anybody. And, and you know, I, I, I think allowing clients to hold, you know, we're not a bank, 
there's no reason for us to be buying materials or spending our, our money on anything in that house, even our time, you know, it's yeah. just too risky and it's not professional. It's not, it's not professional. And do you get pushback on this? Do you, do your clients question it and give you pushback? So new clients don't, uh, the old clients who are, who are sure. used to paying 50% upfront and 50% on the back end, um, mm. and weren't even good at doing that. Um, <laughs> They're, uh, they pushed back on it, yeah. uh, but they're slowly, uh, well, all but one. So I, I've dropped a bunch of them cause I didn't need them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one who I've just had, you know, I've been working with them for 12 years. Uh, I trust them, um, during their, they went through some financial hardship that ended up affecting me. Um, but they ended up, uh, over nine months, I think they ended up paying, paying it back anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we built a certain trust. I don't want to be in that position again. Um, but I give them a bit more leniency, but everybody else, if you don't, if you want to work with me, those are the terms and, um, contractors usually push back on it, but more recently they haven't been, um, because I come with a name, I come with referrals and they understand there's expenses. And if they want to work with me, um, that's how it is. Otherwise they can hire another company and, um, yeah, and, and go that route. But if you want to work with me and have my company in there doing it, that's our terms. And um, I think in our market right now, uh, it's important to understand that we can demand this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unbelievable. There's, I, I think it's a North America thing, mm-hmm. but there aren't a lot of good tile setters out there who know what they're doing, who's, uh, who have insurance, who have their work safe paid up, who have um, all those things that if something does go wrong, it's not the end of the world. They're going to show up and they're going to, um, take care of the problem. Right. Mm. Um, and sorry, I just lost my, uh, thought there. Um, yeah, we were talking about the 50%, you know, and 40% deposits and how really it's in our, it's in our control. Like we're the ones, I should say you, the audience, you guys are the ones who are in demand right now in 2022. I mean, you hold the power. You, you hold the power. So why wouldn't you exercise it a little bit and not to be bad or dishonest, but just to run a professional business and you can set those terms. It's like we were talking about the prices, like you can set the prices, you can set the terms, you can set the contract. And what I found, you're right. Like what I, when I was starting to do a similar, I would do 50% up front, and then I would have a very large, you know, um, I I did like, depending, I, I, it wasn't cut and dry. Like your, I like yours because it's simple 50, 40, leave the 10, you know? Right. Um, I did, you know, sometimes 50, 20, 20, something like that, you know, depending on the length of the job, if it was a two week job, it was simpler. But if it was like a six week job, I would kind of span the payments out a little bit. But the, the point is when I came to those clients with my contract and in my payment schedule, they didn't bat an eye because they were already sold on me and my company. And it's just like walking into a store or a restaurant. You don't, you know, if the prices are on printed and which, you know, that's the power of putting it on paper and giving it a contract. It's like, here it is. Like it's printed. It's there for you to sign. I've signed it. It's a legal binding contract. Let's do this. You know, either we're going to do it or we're not. Right. Yeah. That, that's actually where I was going is we have the power right now and it's, um, in this economy, we can train our clients. It's not a place where the contractors or the clients have the power anymore mm-hmm. as good tile setters. Um, we have the power to be able to say these, these are our terms. If you want to yeah. work with us, then it's, uh, it's time to start retraining our clients to accept this and start new, uh, value ourselves like lawyers or, mm-hmm. um, other professionals do. Right. Yeah. So, Why not? Um, I know I pay my accountant up front. I pay my lawyer up front. I pay right. everybody gets paid up front. Why should I not get paid up front? Why am I taking the risk? So, um, yeah, it's, it's important. Like you said, with the contracts, that's important too. It's right in the bottom of my estimate. It's included there and there's a place to sign and, you know, they read the estimate, they read the print on it and there's no surprises, right? It's, it's not like, Oh my God, it's like, it was all there. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then, you know, I, I would be flexible on, uh, on larger jobs if, um, if somebody wanted to pay less uh, amounts, but the bottom line is we work on a retainer system. Right. And I let my clients know if that money runs out, 
and you don't have a check for us right away or uh, e-transfer, then you go back of the line and you wait till the schedule comes back for you. Mm-hmm. And then we just move on to the next job site. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that keeps things on track too. Yeah, so, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. if they haven't paid on time, they could be two months out, right? Before we're back in their home. Yeah. So, nobody wants that. Yeah. No. So it's, just, it's easy. And I'm starting to look into um, financing as well oh, yeah, for cool. clients so I can start charging more again mm-hmm. and just offer a financing where I get paid up front the whole thing. And, you know, they're financing their job and everything goes smoothly that way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, I hope that works out for you. I know. I think that's, I think that's, um, smart. I think a lot of people who do that are very successful, you know, um, partnering with a bank or a credit union or finance company, um, to offer that. I think that's genius. You know, a lot of people, even if they have money, a lot of people would rather finance it, you know, especially the wealthy, they get the lower interest rates. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Cause they can, they can, they know how to work their money to get a better return on their money then they're going to pay on the interest rates. So that's, you know, that a lot of wealthy think like that, you know, a lot of people with money think like that. I'm not going to spend all my money when my money can make me more money than the bank's going to charge me an interest, you know? Right. Yeah. So that's cool. So where, where are you headed here, Aaron? Like, where do you see your company in, you know, five, 10 years? Are you wanting to stay, you know, similar to where you're at today? You know, I mean, I know you want to add a few employees, but what, yeah, what your big vision? Too. What's your big vision? I don't want to get too big. Okay. I, I, uh, I think if I could, uh, I'd like to book out farther consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to be, uh, between five and seven people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, my next goal is to take somebody, uh, I want to find somebody locally in Vancouver who's also a professional in our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, pay them to do my site visits and um, site checkups and just basically monitor the whole system. So all I'm doing is uh, phone calls, estimates, um, and client relations. I'll probably still drive in once a month, Mm -hmm. um, but it'll take when, when I get to an efficient five to seven, it'll take a lot of my workload off of me Mm -hmm. and I can just hang out with my family and hike and do, do life. Right. Yeah. So, um, and then everybody's happy there. So, um, and at that point, if, if it's working out for me, I'll expand, um, again, uh, as long as it's not taking away from my lifestyle and my time, um, with what I want. So, uh, my goal is not to, to work more. I've, I hustled for 20 years of my career and now it's time to, um, just chill a bit. So I thought about doing a, uh, an online, um, education to homeowners to help them for the do-it-yourselfers to help yeah. them um, design their systems and learn to install properly. And I started down that, um, but then kind of let that go a little bit. I thought, but I thought I had a couple of clients who wanted who wanted to pay me for that, and then mm-hmm. I just didn't I didn't follow up enough yeah. to make that happen. But I thought it might be an interesting business model. But again, that goes back to using my own time. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't the end goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can, you know, add maybe to that thought would be to, um, to do it, to record it on video, you know, and that way you do it once. Um, you can charge for it, put a fee on it, even if it's $49 or whatever. Um, that way you're, I mean, you recorded it. You might've spent a day or two or three days or a week recording this six hour video or whatever it is, you know, say you want to teach someone how to do a tub surround, you know, or, or a shower, you know, um, that might be kind of interesting, you know, I mean, it's a good way to market. It's a good way to market. You can either give it away for free on YouTube or social media for marketing purposes. Um, because a lot of people, they say they want to DIY and then they don't, you know, (laughs) they tear, they tear out the bathroom. And then the wife's like six months later, she's like, we're calling Aaron because he, you know, we already know him. He told us how to do it, but my husband's not doing it or we're not doing it. So let's just call Aaron. Yeah. That's an interesting way to look at it. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah. I used to get a lot of DIYers that were just like, they had all the materials, they had their tile in the garage and they just, it was just months of no bathroom and they just got tired, (laughs) tired of it. 
Now, all the D, the DIYers that uh, I get have already tried to do it themselves. And, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of these curbless showers mm-hmm. uh, that people who don't know what they're doing are doing. Mm-hmm. And it's every single time the drain is the highest spot. I don't know how they thought their zero entry shower was going to work. And yeah, it's um, anyway, but they don't understand the, the whole concept of it. Right. So yeah. um, they, they install it and then they call me to come fix it and it costs a lot more that way. Well, they learned that. Hopefully they learned the lesson the one time. Yeah. Well, unfortunately that hasn't been my experience, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know it's we, we probably closed 30% of those and the other ones say they're just going to fix it themselves. I'm like, okay, have yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Well, Aaron, look, I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge on the podcast and taking the time to do this today. And I know a lot of people are going to benefit from this. So thank you very much. Awesome. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. And thank you for this podcast. It's phenomenal. And I've used so many of these um, different ideas in my business. And it's it's amazing. It really inspires um, me, at least, and I'm sure a lot of other people to to be able to uh, mold their business and create it the way they want. So nice. Yeah, it's, it's good job. I, I appreciate what you've done for the industry. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Where, where can people find you on Instagram and Facebook? Is it at van city or, uh, no, we go by Vetty cause nobody wants to say the whole name, yeah. uh, of my business. So it's a uh, Vetty, which is V E T I I. So at Vetty. Um, and I think Instagram is Vetty tile at Vetty tile. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. All right, Tile friends, we'll check out Aaron's business at Vetty Tile on Instagram or Facebook. Are you on TikTok? No, no, okay. I, I did that and then uh, I got off it. It was taking too much of my time. And uh, his website is Vetty, V-E-T-I-I dot C-A, Vetty dot C-A um, for Canada, I guess, right? Yeah, All right. that's right. All right. All right, Aaron. Tile friends, uh, please... Uh, Stay positive out there. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. And above all else, Tile Friends, please stay profitable out there, Tile Friends. We'll talk to you next week.